Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas. And I very, very heartily greet all of my congregation here who are part of this wonderful church in Dallas. And uh, also, we're just so happy to be able to welcome into this conversation our Saints Network family from so many places around the world. We truly are grateful for what God has put together in this network, and we cherish the, uh, the people that, uh, that are a part of it. You know, I was sitting here in the, in the booth, and I was preparing myself uh, for, um, for what the Lord wanted us to share today, and uh, suddenly got an email from uh, a brother in, in Switzerland who's a pastor there, and uh, he and his wife are both pastors. They are precious people. And um, he wrote and said that he had joined with us for, for uh, uh, sections of our most recent seminar. And, and um, he, uh, he is just, it's just a really unique friendship that God, that only God could have brought together. And I don't know, I don't know what God's plan is for his country there, um, but I'm just saying that there are lots of different, um, lots of different seeds of friendship, of uh, the saintly message, and most importantly, the, the 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 partnership with the plan of God that God has sown throughout the world. And as you well know. We are not a traditional type of ministry in the fact that we don't make plans and um, try to invade places where the message isn't uh, currently uh, known. Uh, God has made the appointments. God has brought the connectives. Um, when God does this, as is the case with many instances in the Scripture, um, it's for the purpose of the, the people that express uh, a hunger to follow his plan. It's for the purpose of letting them decide whether they're going to go forward with it or not. We, we do our very best, but as is the parable of the sower, we can't predict whether, um, whether the seed that the Lord gives is going to be honored or whether it's going to be uh, fulfilled in, in what God would want in the depth of obedience and following. We, can, we can't make success happen. We can only do the best with what we've been asked to do. And that, that's a tough thing to understand, especially for us as saints who we recognize that what God has given based on his word is the best. I just can't understand. I still cannot understand why people don't want to follow what the scriptures plainly say is the desire of God. There's there's always that mix of, well, you know, I I have my own ideas and, you know, there are other ideas and the scripture warns against those types of, of miscreant pursuits. So it's, it just baffles me and always has and, and always will why people don't want to dig deep into the things of the Lord and follow him in the way that the scriptures say to follow. Anytime you interject some person's idea or some movement's idea, even if it is stitched together as a topical mosaic of Scripture. Uh, you're, you're, you're walking a, an, an odd pathway, and, and it's, it's something that I'm not saying God won't bless the people 
because God's got a loving heart. And there are a lot of Christians, got a lot of people who are in the family of God who, who do a lot of things that aren't the best that God wants. But once you find the true, once you see it in the Word and God, you recognize that the Spirit of Truth continues to, uh, to, to dig deeper and to show us more things in His Word, once you find that, why would you want something else? I'm not saying it's easy. It, it will cost you. Yeah, you. You have to seek the pearl of great price. It will cost you. But there's, there are scriptures that say the parable of the soil. You know, um, those, those four variations, the, the, uh, the ten virgins... You have, um, you have the 30, 60, 100-fold. You, you have lots of those kinds of passages that says it's up to you. You can still be in the family of God, but not want to go into sonship or becoming that classification that the Bible speaks of as heirs or joint heirs. God still loves you. But he wants, he wants us to be faithful to the things that he has put before us. Yeah, we grieve when there are those who choose not to continue. Um, I, I know that, you know, the Bible speaks about Jesus groaning in his spirit. And those were times when the religious world chose other pathways. And his spirit, which was what indicated God's, God's deposit within his life, we all have that. It's born again only through the blood of Jesus. But his spirit registered. No, that's, that's really, you know, they're not following what they should. They're not doing what they should. It's it's, it's not in harmony with the perfect plan of God. And um, we know that creation groans uh, because uh, they're waiting for the man- it's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Creation recognizes that things are not, ex- not, in, not functioning in the way that God created that, it to function. And so... It is, it is, it's perfectly normal for us to recognize when people aren't doing what the Scripture says they should do. Um, I, I recall what the Apostle Paul wrote about Demas, who forsook him, um, committing his agape into the present world, or into, he doesn't say evil, he says the present world, the current mindset. And Demas had um, given that connectivity that God designed to partner with the will of God. And he redirected it to do what the common, the common viewpoints were. And with that, he invested his gifts and he invested his passions. And he left the path that the Lord really created him to know. I, I'm just grateful more than ever for the saints who have maintained their commitment, not to me, but to what God has shown, what God created them to know, what God has led them to what God has shown in his word. And that's the most important thing because, you know, one of the, one of the current viewpoints in Christianity is that the Bible is flawed and that it is not to be trusted in a lot of ways and that there are other writings that are divine that are equal to or better suited for the modern world than the Bible. They'll say that. 
they'll speak that in, in very kind and flowery terms. You know, the Bible has been characterized as a legalistic thing and that anybody who believes the Bible is a thumper and has no love and is not willing to embrace people. You've heard it, but it's an attack against the Word and it's an attack against people who um, who would want to serve God and be, be fed by the Word every day. This is where our world is going. And um, what, what I felt the Lord wanted us to, to speak about today is about how we embrace what God has revealed. Now, I'll, I'll just be very clear. As I prayed about this message today, I recognized that over the past month or so, God has been giving us incredible revelations uh, from his word, very deep understandings uh, that are born about by the, the study of uh, the scriptures to see this, hey, this is what God's saying. Here's what this really means, that when Jesus said this, this is what he was saying, and here's why. And those have been coming, and I, I almost felt as a, as a pastor um, this past week, <laughs> man, here comes another bombshell. Here comes another one. And while I go after that, I'm willing to follow the Spirit. I also recognize that if our people are not really embracing this, and aren't really studying it and meditating on it, this can become an overload. Now, is that wrong? Well, what's wrong if you don't apply yourself? And it's not me that's studying to try to bring these things. It's, it's definitively the Spirit that's guiding us. You know, I, I took some, um, in high school, I took, a lot of college prep classes. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, even though I knew I was going into the ministry, college prep classes were good for me because on our, on our grading scale, that, you know, 4.0 at that time was an A, it was an A. And the college prep classes, if you got an A there, you could, you got a five point. And plus you also got college credit, which was accepted at Pitt or Penn State or uh, any of the other schools around there, Ohio State, West Virginia. Um, and so I, I loaded up in my junior and senior year on college prep classes because Ronnie thought, you know what, I could get a B and still have a 4.0. <laughs> Isn't that awful? No, I never would allow myself to do that. But... Um, but my point for this is that some of those classes, you had to apply yourself. And you weren't going to just play around and let your, whatever, your intelligence quotients get you by. You, you had to master what you had just learned, or you weren't going to be able to keep going in the class. I recognized that immediately. So the idea of getting a B and keeping a four was kind of moot because I wasn't going to be able to do that. I was either going to get an A or I was going to flub the class. That's just the mentality I had. And, I, and so, so I know that if you really are receiving something that is um, challenging, you have to invest yourself. You have to, you have to invest yourself and you can't, just lollygag through or be entertained or get a three-point sermon that promises you the moon and you're out of there in 20 minutes. I mean, you, you have to invest yourself if you're going to follow the Lord and to, um, and to be a, a son. Uh, so this is the way it is in life. Now, Bible college was totally different. 
because, you know, you had to study, but it, it wasn't as taxing to me. Now, the language courses, yeah, yeah, you couldn't mess around with those. But um, I've really strayed off path. My point is that God has been giving us some, some incredible insights recently. And we have a responsibility as saints to study them, to, to make sure we know them. And the, the excuse is it's too hard or I just don't understand. It doesn't cut it. You know why? Because it's the word. It's, it's the word. If it, was, if it was my curriculum, maybe I could say, okay, well, yeah, we, we, can, we can readjust things. But since it's the Bible and since it's the Spirit that is revealing these things, and since we have the tools to study, we have no excuse other than the fact that we either do it or we don't do it. And so, especially in our world today, where um, I, I hope you realize that the enemy and society are trying to create a pure language of its own. I should say an impure language of its own. Uh, it reminds me of the, the days of the Tower of Babel when God came and looked at the people and said, these people are of one language, they're of one, they're of one heart, and they're going, to, they're going to apply this in their pursuit of trying to build towers and worship the enemy. And um, that's still the enemy's agenda. You, you read about what happens when, the, when two of the witnesses are killed in the streets and they lay there and the whole world, the Bible says, witnesses it and the whole world celebrates it. How can that be? How can that be? Unless it's, we often say, well, look at technology, you know. I can see what's going on with the Russian invasion almost real time. Um, it's, it's more, it's less about that, even though that's a factor, and more about the celebratory viewpoint of the world. You see, the mindset is being groomed so that the world despises God and believes the same thing. And the policing of that, that if you have a, a viewpoint that is, that is not in step, that you are going to be disciplined or you're going to be eliminated in some way and your very lifestyle, your ability to earn a living is, is going to be gone. So it is a, it is a fascist type of a viewpoint and, um, you know, how often it is that, you know, that if, uh, if people accuse you of things, it's very likely that they are subject to those things themselves. If a preacher continually harps on a certain topic, um, you can pretty much guarantee that he has a weakness in that area. That's just true. Now, for me, I harp on not saying trying to say I'm some holy Joe, but I harp on the word. I have a weakness for the word. I harp on seeking after the Lord. I have a weakness for that. I don't spend time telling people how they should live their lives, but I tell them how they should live their, their spirit that God gave them and how they should submit to that. And yeah, that's our weakness around here. Uh, we, we, we have committed ourselves to that, and I believe that's what God wants. So we're going to talk today about meditating in the Word and how important it is for us. Now, Joshua 1.8 says something that David just completely quotes in Psalm 1, verse 2. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That's interesting, isn't it? 
meditate there is um, a word that means that you're you're really contemplating. You you are spending time thinking about it, the law, day and night, so that your actions will conform to what God says. This is what David said in Psalm 1. And I think that that type of meditation speaks about not only knowing and being aware of what the written word says, the written word of God, but thinking on it and allowing the Spirit, who is the author, now, Jesus is the living Word. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the one. But the anointing of the Spirit directed the, the writings through the Old Testament, the writings through the New Testament. Um, but the Spirit wants to have discussion about this. And especially when God has shown several new things aligned with his word, in his word, from his word, over the past weeks, how, how do you meditate on them? Well, you, you reflect on the particular message. You, you look back over the scriptures. You let God speak to you. It's the living word. You take responsibility for what God has brought. And you also compare those pneumaticos understandings with other ones that God has given, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, Paul said. And so you say, Lord, look back over the past few weeks. You said this, and then you said this, and then you said this. What connection is there between those things? How do they synergize, as it were? How do they come together where one puts a thousand to flight, two puts two thousand, uh, ten thousand to flight? How, how do these scriptures fit together? Do they? And if so, why? How does this, how does this um, particular present factor apply to the things that are foundational, that these are built upon. Where's the interconnect? Um, what does this mean for us? How do we apply this in our life today? How do we ask the Spirit to help us to come into alignment with it? What what does God want to awaken within us because of the entrance of his word in this way? How, what, what, what is coming that this is preparing us for? See, these are all things that should just be a part of the, the table that you set to spend time with God, day and night. And you know... When you do that, when you come near unto God, he comes near to you. When you search him in this way, then God speaks to you, the conversationally. And living in the word is, is what causes your spirit to be open in the night so that God can bring revelation, even in the night. And... I'm, I'm really thankful for this, but we need to be embracing this in our lives, especially it's like digestion, the strong meat. You're digesting this. Um, if, if it is strong meat, you've, you've got to invest yourself, the investing into digesting. How's that, Elder Denise? And, and so you've, you've got to You've got to have that. And it's your responsibility. You know, anytime we say, you know, I, I just don't get it. You need to make it simpler. You need to make it plainer. 
you know, we've got a little baby boy that we're spending a lot of time with. And he has to have mama's milk. And he he's not even able to eat um, mushed up food yet. But there's coming a time where you serve him baby food or food that is that is digestible for him that that he doesn't have to chew on he can just gum it and down it goes you know a lot of christians are that way they want to be like a baby and if it's not that way if they have to chew or if they have to digest uh, forget that i'll go over here where it's entertaining now if if a parent didn't want their child to grow and to develop there'd be something wrong with that parent if the parent thought oh you know little levi you know it's fine you know we kind of like having him in this way because we'll never lose him we'll keep him under control he'll be back for the bottle he'll be back for the bottle and you know we like him this way um what parent thinks that yeah you like him that way but you want him to grow you want him to develop. And the great rejoicing, look, he's eating with a spoon now. Wow, look, he gets it all over his face, but look, it, he's taking it. Oh, look, he's, his teeth are coming in. He can chew these little bits of meat. He likes it or fruit. Oh, my goodness, look at that. Look, he can feed himself now. He could sit in, at, his, at the table. Look, he's learned how to use a fork and... And wow, and a spoon, look at that. We rejoice at that. Keeping people on the bottle, keeping it simple is nonsense. You keep things simple for babies. And there are babies that come into the church. But if you've got those that the Apostle Paul said, you should be, you should be dealing with meat by now. You should be oracles. Yet you have such as you're such an one who have need of milk. You know, people, lots of people, when they get older, they can't tolerate milk. You ever wonder about that? Maybe God doesn't want us to dwell in the land of milk. Maybe He wants us to come into meat or or deeper things, more complicated. Uh, recipes so even in the natural we see that what about the land of milk and honey well you we all know what that means i mean it's uh it's that israel was going to come in and they were going to be able to establish livestock they were going to be able to take advantage of the the the, the agricultural areas and they were going to be able to access the things that were readily available to them. They were going to develop the land that God gave. That's what the land flowing in milk and honey means. It's certainly not advocating a diet of only milk and honey. I think that's what a lot of Christians want. Give me, give me simple things and give me sweet things. I've gotten off into preaching here, haven't I? But the point for us is that as saints and as those who are given to pneumatikos principles, the spiritual things, that's a biblical term used many, many times. For those who are um, wanting to grow and be mature men and women of God, mighty men and women, as it were, we need, we need to meditate on the Word. Joshua, the great leader into the promised land, this is what he said at the beginning of his writing. David, the great, perhaps the most renowned king of Israel, this is what he said. And if you develop this kind of musculature in your thinking and in your spirit, not only will you gain the greatest benefit, the word that will never pass away, but you will open yourselves up based upon that word that is hidden in your heart for the revelatory nature of the Spirit to bring creativity, to bring innovation. And, but, it, but it all, with, without the strength of the word, 
creativity and innovation can lead you astray. Without the word, emotion can lead you astray. Without the word, passions can lead you astray. Without the word, the without the word, the the logismos of the present world, society, religious teachers will lead you away. So we've got to meditate on the word. What um, what should you do about that? Well, I would suggest that you spend time praying every day. You, you are responsible for that. But I would also suggest that you, throughout the week, set aside time to reflect on what God has said. How long? People always want to know that. I don't hear anybody ever asking me, Pastor, how long should I spend eating? You know, how long should I spend with this person that I love? How, how, how long should I? You know, we don't ask that about any other thing, but we want a legalism. You know, Jesus said to his disciples in Gethsemane, could you not tarry one hour? To me, that is a, that is a warfare type of mentality in Gethsemane. It was a warfare mentality. So if you're in spiritual warfare, you, you need to be investing at least an hour, not just binding, rebuking, sending a few scud missiles in Jesus' name. You, you, need to be, you need to be prepared. But as far as the law, I, sometimes when the Spirit begins to guide me in the study, it, several hours will go by. Oh, that's fine for you, Pastor. You know, it's like the little kid at school. They were going around telling what their parents did for a living. And the, the doctor kid and the, the, the kid with the lawyer parent, the kid with the teacher parent, well, came to the kid whose parent was a pastor. He said, well, my dad's a pastor. He doesn't work. So some people say, well, pastor, this is your job. I could see how you know, da, 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 da. That's, that's, I understand that, but that's nonsense. We're talking about the Word of God, and we're talking about the fact that you're a child of God, and there's no excuse. There is no excuse. Now, you may not be able to sit down for three hours and study, but you need to carve out time where you're studying, where you're meditating on what God has said to make sure you remember, at least remember the message. And, and, and your spirit craves this. Your mind needs this. And your framework as, as a son desperately requires it, relies upon it. So it's, it's up to you to do it. And I know you can do it. Some of you are, are rigid followers of your dietary pursuits or your workout regimens or what you feel is your hobbies or whatever. I'm not faulting that. Have fun. Live life to the fullness. But you can discipline yourself to spend time in the Word. You can. You really can, and you must. So that type of meditation is necessary. But there's another kind of meditation that's in the Bible, and we want to talk about that too. And this, this really speaks about societal pressures. And the word translated as murmur, most often in the Old Testament, is loon, and it, it really means to lodge somewhere, to spend the night somewhere, to live in a place, to settle in a place. And it, it speaks, therefore, as to what you surround yourself with, what is embraced and discussed in, your, in the home of your own mind. Uh, you say, well, if I'm studying the Word so ardently... 
wouldn't that drive out these other things? Surprisingly, no. You know, it, it, the word should dominate, but the societal pressures, the peer pressures, the opinions of society and, and the viewpoint of, of the, the modern tech world and what's on the Internet, it, 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 it's, you notice how it's become, here's a battle for it to become singularized because then you can control the people. As I was uh, on the treadmill yesterday and I turned over to the BBC and they have a reporter that his sole purpose is to focus on what the Russian media is saying during this Ukrainian invasion. And it's amazing, you know, he was saying that um, there is... Um, there is, of course, it's government-run, it's one-sided, it's just, um, it's the party line. It's the party line. There are no other voices. The other, the other smaller number of more free-thought um, pursuits were gone, and you watched that happen. People were threatened with prison sentences. Others quit in protest. Um, some were just disappeared. But that's the mindset, and that's what the world is wanting, which is why uh, whatever you think of Elon Musk, I'm not anointing him as the, the, the white knight, but his purchase of Twitter is fascinating. And the meltdown of so many politicians and mainstreamers that that suddenly that Twitter is not going to be regulated toward a more leftist viewpoint that there that there's probably the algorithms algorithms are going to be adjusted and made public as to how the cancel culture has tried to shut out voices of conservative viewpoint or even middle of the road viewpoint you know, you can see that the world is gravitating to one viewpoint. And I don't I don't really understand um, how we can see that happening and not recognize that um, it's it's cascading toward total government control of what is said, what is felt. You know, even the, the, the reaction of parents coming against uh, school boards that are trying to indoctrinate children with uh, anti-Christian beliefs or, or even things that are abominable. I mean, the, the, the attack against Governor DeSantis in Florida because he regulated through the, the legislator from kindergarten through third grade, that children were not going to be presented with sexual issues. I mean, just think of that. Why is that so horrible? You know, I've just, I've had children, I've, I've just seen grandchildren go through those grades. And the simplistic, simplistic life of a child, they're still processing being a person and to to for anybody to say yeah we should be indoctrinating them with in my view things that are perverted not not even just saying hey you know uh we can we can't even tell you that you're a boy or you're a girl i mean these are just abominable but you can see the pressures of society trying to influence that and um so for me, murmuring, which can either be spending time before the Lord, the meditation that David did just in his own household before the Lord, where he was open to thinking about the things of the Spirit, this word was used to describe that, but it was also used to describe those that in their cottages, in their rooms, their domiciles, we're thinking wicked things against God. And, um, you know, it, and the funny thing is that this word, lun, was 
often connected with the word for the I, ayin, which we talked about a few weeks ago and have studied about over the years. So how are you viewing things? How are you um, perceiving things in your house? What are you allowing to be the, the, um, the, the, the way that you uh, consider life and consider the world? What are, what, are you, what are you letting come into your existence? Um, I, I'm just astounded because here's what the enemy wants. Numbers 14, verse 27. This is God speaking, Yahweh speaking to Moses and Aaron. How long will I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Three times God uses this term that speaks about what they speak and what they think about over their family table, what they, what they have deduced as, as for me and my house, this is what we're going to be. You see how the world is being herded into a murmuring viewpoint against what God represents and what his people should be embracing. I know the enemy wants to hasten this. He wants to change the times. I'm thankful that there's been blowback against it. I'm thankful that school boards and certain uh, governors and um, even in the media, the the, the CNN used to be something that we respect. This is CNN. You know, I had James Earl Jones saying that. And then it just became a leftist trope. And they just put out after hundreds of millions of dollars their, their CNN Plus. They only got 10,000 subscribers and it flopped in a matter of days. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that, you know, Twitter, I'm not part of Twitter. But I'm thankful that hopefully there's going to be some measure of restoration of an open... And I know there are a lot of wicked things in, in, that can be up there. Some of those need to be policed. But that the marketplace would be open. But with all of that, we have to recognize that the world is being brought together into a common household that will essentially murmur against God. They're already doing it. And, um, and I, I think that we should see that even with the advances that are being made to, to try to stem the tide of this evil murmuring that it was, is just being mainlined into children, mainlined into people, mainlined into homes, um, that it's, it's temporary because the world is gravitating that way. And we as Christians need to recognize that and do everything we can to meditate on the Lord. I am stunned. You, know, you even think, look at the mainstream media. Look at them. Don't spend too much time looking at them. But they... They show, for the most part, one perverted picture. And anybody that gets out of the, you know, the, anybody that brings a, a more traditional or, dare I say, a more biblical viewpoint is immediately castigated and driven out. It's there. Do you not see that? And if that's all people are being fed... They soon begin this type of agreement. Back to what we said about the Tower of Babel. They're of one speech. Here it is. So that's where this world is going. And uh, we can hope to stop it for a while. But it's going there. You see it in the scripture. Um, but what we must do is make sure that our own household, and dare I say our own, the household of our own person is meditating on the Lord, knowing his word. You see, that's one of the things that I never understood. 
Um, once you throw the word out, anything goes. It's just true. I never understood how some who are no longer walking with the network, who embraced progressive ideologies, would just reject what they knew the word said. Or to hold something that is against the word as being equal to the word. I, 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 there's just something in me that can't tolerate that. And I'm, I'm not understood how that could be, but I guess it's kind of like what David warned against there in Psalm, Psalm 1 again. I'm not going to sit in the seat of the scorner. You become like the people you're around. Do you know that? That's not, that's not just a, an old wives' tale. That's the truth. You become like the six, what was that? There's a lot of studies, but I think one of them said, you become like the six most important people that surround your life. That's, that's alarming. And it should also be saying, you have to guard what is welcomed in your house. Now, I grew up... I grew up in a more religious surrounding. We weren't allowed to to see anything. Um, if we watched television, it was usually Lawrence Welk on Saturday nights or one of the World War II things like combat or the westerns, you know, um, have gun will travel, wagon train, the rifleman. I love the rifleman. But some of the combat things, if those guys even said anything remotely like a curse word, my dad would immediately say, if he was home, any more of that, and we're turning it off. That was his phrase. I, in fact, I almost I thought about getting a bumper sticker printed and sticking it on our old Chevy. Any more of that, we're turning it off. Now, to me, I, I understand that because there was a really big push to, during the, during the previous century, to really legislate holiness or legislate a frame of, uh, of, uh, of behavior. In fact, even as pastor, you had to continue to, when we had a, a larger, a, a large children's ministry, you had parents who were all over the map in what they thought was acceptable for their kids. And so you, you had to kind of manage that. Um, you know, in my household, I tried to talk to and Debbie was there too, but I'm, I'm the one that's teaching here, okay? Uh, I've talked to my girls. Um, okay, we're going to do this, but this right here is not right, so we're not, we're not going to dwell on it. Uh, sometimes when VCRs came out, I would record little movies for the girls so that they could watch them if they, you know, if they wanted to. They weren't addicted to TV. You can obviously see that they both turned out pretty well. Um, but you know, the joke was Kelly knew, uh, that, that there were some things that I would, I would scout these things out and I would watch. And if it was going to get into something that had witchcraft or some kind of miscreant behavior, I would pause the recording until that was over. And then I would reboot it. I did my own editing and it didn't hurt them. But I just didn't want them being indoctrinated or seeing things. And if they did see things that were not right, we would talk about it. And it wasn't just, oh, yo, you don't do that. Because, you know, that's the way I was raised. And even as a kid, I knew, no, look, I know what's right and wrong here. Um, but it's not going to hurt me to hear somebody say something that I hear every day at school. And man, oh, man, when I started working... Uh, you know, I worked for the uh, the borough, the little city that we lived in, when the on a, a, a suburb of Pittsburgh. When I worked for them, those guys, 
most of them were Italian guys, and they said colorful words in English and in Italian. And I learned them. I knew what they were. Of course, I knew them in school. My goodness. My goodness, we just heard things. And when I worked at the mill, the steel mill, oh, my gosh. I remember I went up into this. God gave me great jobs there. But I, one of my jobs, I've talked about this, was to sit in the control booth where it managed the steel coming out of the furnaces that made um, armored plating for, for armored cars and also for military use. But all over those walls were magazines that showed things that little Ronnie's eyes had never really been able to see before. And I knew it was wrong, and I didn't meditate on it. I feel people—I feel badly for people who are prone to that kind of thing. But, you know, the best thing for me to do with my kids was to show them this is wrong, and this is why it's wrong. And you're not going to be able to avoid seeing it, but just know that it's wrong, even wicked things. So I'm, I'm not going off on this, but... We're not even talking about that kind of factor here. We're talking about people being indoctrinated, where the only thing they hear is that white is black, black is white, right is wrong, wrong is right, and um, and it's it's a mindset. So that's what the heart of murmuring was, as used in Numbers 14. What the people were embracing in their households, what they were embracing in their homes, and the way they would conflict with what God was doing or what he was saying. And they would express this, and God heard it. And this is why they were destroyed in the wilderness. So what is it that's in your household, your personal household? What is it that you allow? You've got your own household with your phone, with your internet. With, with the myriad programs that are available for you to watch on Netflix or Hulu or even the, the cheapo things that some of you have found where you can watch for free. What is being indoctrinated? If you don't know the word, if you are not settled on what God has said, on the simple things, the elemental things, but going into the deeper things, you're not going to be equipped to survive in what's coming. The word you hide in your heart that you don't miss the mark. What, what's, what's governing the steering wheel of your life? So we meditate on the things God has revealed to us. We study it to show ourselves approved. But we also guard over how we think upon things before the Lord and we don't allow ourselves to become uh, inebriated by, by what's being poured out from the keggers of the world. See, it's up to us to do this. And, I mean, we have seen the, the Internet world explode in the past 20 years. We have, we have seen things then come about that have been shocking that the world viewpoint is. I think the, the lead up to the election of 2016 was a stark wake-up call for me. I had no idea that there were just different, I knew there were differing views but I had no idea how perverted some of those views were and how mainstream they'd become. It was a shock to me. Even I drive through our neighborhood here, and I see signs out in the yards, lots of them. I see things on the, the, uh, the, the signs of churches up and down this street, and I think, dear Jesus, what world am I living in? It, I guess what I'm saying is expon exponentially, things are moving very quickly. And 
we need to recognize that it's going toward the culminative things that God has prophesied in Scripture. So what do we do? Do we give up and say, well, what use is it? It's going that way anyway. Or do we serve God and become the best we can be, the best sons we can be of him, the best students of the word, sowing it into our hearts, sowing it into our lives, living it, spending time with God. We must do that. You must do this. Because that's what's going to preserve you. But most importantly, that's what's going to allow you to serve our Father. Darkness, gross darkness upon the, the people in the world. The world and the people. But God's light, God's ways, God's eyes shine upon you. Out of the midst of darkness, God is going to move. But if you don't know his light... If you're not walking in the light, if you're not cherishing the light, you're vulnerable. Please hear me. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm not trying to cause anybody to be, um, to feel badly about themselves. I'm exhorting you. Take accountability for what God has shown. I'm not saying you should not be aware of what other Christians are saying. But look, I say this again. We have the best. We have the depth of the word. We're not going off on tangents. We're not doing the latest, greatest flavor that, that uh, the general church is following. We're not even being deceived about what's coming. I remember in the 70s when the moral majority was there and Jerry Falwell, who had no patience for spirit-filled beliefs, um, but he, he convinced America that if we just voted the right way, we could bring the country back to righteousness. Well, I appreciate his motive. But this world is quickly hurtling toward the time of the end. It's just true. The signs are all around us. So what do we do? We recognize that God caused us to live in these times. That we're serving God and God is going to ultimately win. There is a, there's a work to do for the kingdom. But we've got to learn how to meditate on his word and we've got to learn how to meditate on God, recognizing that the enemy is causing his minions to meditate on their diatribe and to meditate within their households on the things that he is wanting to foment within society. It's a battle of meditations. It's a battling of whether you'll spend time on the Lord with the Lord or whether you'll murmur. So it's a positive message for us today. I'm excited about what's coming. We have a lot of work to do. We're raising up disciples around the world. But I, I'm going to tell you this. I don't want any of my congregation to be offended. Okay? So just put on your big boy pants and listen to what I'm saying. We deal with people in many different places. And I have to say that I am mightily blessed by the fervency of the pockets of the saints in many places. They know the message extremely well. And um, it's a strange thing that, you know, like I could, I'm thinking of one church that I could go into and just go blow to blow. That's not a good term. Just pour out the meat and they would be taking it and moving in it. Can we say that about us? I hope so. And we have a job to do. So God has chosen us for our tasks. Let's do it. Let's be faithful. Let's know his word. Let's know him. But let's recognize what's out there and the dangers that are out there. We're a peculiar people. 
our citizenship is in heaven and let's let's act like it father i speak blessing over our saints network and uh, i spe- i pray that you'll bless every place where people are calling upon you as sons and as saints um, I pray that you'll bless this congregation here in Dallas. I'm so grateful for them. Um, I, and I, I, I'm, I just ask, Lord, that you'll continue to guide us and keep us. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining today. God bless you all. And until, uh, until the next time we can be together, Keep seeking him, keep meditating upon him, keep praying, keep studying his word, and uh, God is with you. Goodbye.